0: laugh.
1: I uh, just always laugh every time we start. Um, that everyone has having... laugh
0: at our viewers, Red. That's mean. There might be as many as 68 of them. And do you want any of your acts in the world to be being cruel to 68 people?
1: That's true. I'll purchase a 68 instance. Um But yeah, I think we all took a sip of our drink. So what are you drinking, Jenny Khan?
2: I'm drinking fake fizz. Nice. nice. You really know what the brand is. Maybe Nosecco from Sainsbury's or yeah. Nosecco. No <laughs> and Jamie,
0: uh, I, I'm having a light nabsynth.
1: Nice. And I'm having my White Claw hard seltzer, black cherry. Not sponsored, sadly. Anyway,
0: <laughs> we are not going to strike anyone as flancy Southwest Londoners in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I actually made up my drink name, um, but anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't even know. So, Jenny, I wanted to start slightly differently this week. We will get into your one-minute intro. Um, But um, I was thinking about the fact that so many podcasts that I like or enjoy, sometimes it turns out that the people that are, like, behind these groundbreaking, record-breaking, successful podcasts actually have quite a lot of media background or media training. So maybe they were actually, like, a DJ on BBC radio or whatever. And I think Jenny and I don't have a background, so to speak, but Jamie, you have quite a lot of experience that I think you should share with our listeners. I mean,
0: hang, hang on a second. Like, <laughs> I've been shafted here. This is a stitch up. Because <laughs> I know at least two li-
1: media experiences that you have.
0: I mean, experiences is possibly putting it a little bit, uh, a little bit heavily. Because actually, Jenny has more experiences. She has to organise. <laughs> Podcasts and recordings and interviews for her work.
1: That is true. The only but she does thing not do
0: that
1: this I have. For that podcast for this <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the only
0: media experience that I have three media experiences, and two of them were, you know, over in three minutes and 45 seconds, which just goes to show that stamina is a thing. Um, the first one was uh, recording sort of two. Transport for London, radio televised, not televised, uh, radio messages to say, please avoid this part of London. Uh, you know, the grim death has broken out. Plague of zombie apocalypse. I, uh, please mind the gap at this location. Um, yeah. And the other one was sort of being an English voiceover dub for um, what I have to assume was a very pirate Bollywood production. <laughs>
1: talent, Jamie. You're a genuine talent.
0: I mean, talent can have negative connotations as well as positive ones. I noticed you didn't say a great talent, you just said <laughs> a talent of some sort of me- before. Everything I touch even- in the media turns to SH1T.
2: <laughs> also, also, I think you you have missed one, and I appreciate it. it's not media, but um I still think it's pretty cool.
0: Oh but- god, what have I done?
2: <laughs> You've been the commentator for for rowing races. <laughs> yeah, oh my is, gosh, like, yes. Around the UK. <laughs> That's just allowed. I'm telling you know. nothing. I think it's broadcast anywhere you're getting nothing
0: from me. I'm, I'm shutting down. I, I've engaged in this far too far proactively. You're getting nothing from me.
1: Well, Jamie, Jamie, as our talent, you have to carry me and Jenny along because we don't have this wealth of experience. <laughs> Do you I, have I mean,
0: to? I've wanted to make changes to this format for a long time. And so, <laughs> um, you know. I'm going to make the change that I wanted to make at least three minutes ago when you announced this different start. And get into my first line. No, no, I don't want to do that in any way, shape, or form. Um, although I was accused a few, not even days, a few hours ago of not being posh enough to uh, carry off using the word dong as a polite way of referring to a man's genitalia. <laughs>
1: Let's dive into the one-minute summary, because I don't know how to respond to
0: that. I mean, you, you were the one who took this into the uh, the land of the random, Red. You may have only taken one gentle step in that direction. But you knew which way the uh, avalanching snowball was going to roll. I forgot um,
1: who I was dealing with. Yes, one-minute summary, please, Jamie. Uh,
0: Chakotay ascends. Meanwhile, Neelix does the first useful thing that he's done all series but only while being taken over by a different entity and not in control of his own actions. <laughs> and also, can
1: you remind us of the name of the episode? Because we haven't even mentioned that
0: yet. Uh, no, I, I sort of uh, leave that to you, but I think it's cathexis.
1: Yes, I didn't want to try to pronounce it. That's why I was <laughs> <meaning not>.
0: <laughs> That's how it's written, Red. What would you think?
1: Oh, I actually listened to the latest episode of the Delta Flyers and mm-hmm. Ethan Phillips, is that the guy who plays Nix, he was a guest on it. Oh, no, he was, oh, so was he? So one day when you listen to those interviews, you're going to feel really bad about all the things he's had
0: about he me. because <laughs> he's clearly been a more successful human than he has been a sort of weird random alien from the uh, Delta Quadrant. So I'll feel happy that he was able to make so much money while, you know, pretending to be a bumbling idiot.
1: Okay, so we start with the captain's log.
0: Have, have I crossed the line by any chance?
2: No, 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 no. Um, Just imagine uh, those, what what is it, eight US downloads, or in fact one yeah. of them is, uh, Ethan Phillips and his old family. You never
0: take that away from us, guys. That's always there. Okay,
1: two out of three fans is not too bad. Um, so the episode starts with the captain's log, which after not doing this 12 times, I realise that's how every episode starts. I don't know why it took me so long. Um, and Janeway is talking about taking the opportunity to be away from being a captain for a while. So, And what she means by that is participating in a holo novel. So, Which, Jamie, is this the first time you've seen a holo novel? I mean, I know we've seen no, a holo No, day, no, no.
0: I, I have sort of come across the noun again, although it did seem like a slightly weird choice of Twilight fan fiction for Captain Janeway to be participating in.
1: In ancient England. I thought ancient was a bit harsh, even though they're a few hundred years in the future. It's, it looked like Victorian England. <laughs> would that be ancient? Yeah, yeah. I guess it
0: Pretty would much. then, is not it? Hmm?
2: I guess it would, based on when they are now.
1: But ancient, isn't ancient like 3,000 years ago, not 700 years ago?
2: Hmm. I do know what ancient is Yeah, like, Google. I need to Google yeah.
0: that one. I mean, it, it may be that... Uh... In fact, what is the actual date? They they give it at the start, star star date.
1: As we discussed, I've never paid attention to this, and you
2: know, it's <laughs> well, I mean, you
0: it, it might be as much as a thousand years in the future. Um, no, it's like
1: twenty-four. Oh yeah, maybe I should not speak because I could be wrong. But yes,
0: <laughs> you just told us that you don't listen to the date. Um, but I don't know. I, I think it's quite a nice way of just making you remember how far in the future they are that they refer yes, to. Uh, Victoria. well, I know probably Georgian England as ancient England.
1: Yeah, that's true. So we just know. a couple of details Yeah, Jenny?
2: Uh, well, I was just going to say, I was weird to so say they don't ever come back to this, do they? In this episode.
1: Oh yeah, that's a very good no. point.
0: No. Although there is a sort of easter egg in there in that it sort of culminates in a dramatic moment in the hollow novel where uh, the fictional... Is it Lord Bradbury? Burley. Burley. Lord Burley says to Janeway, you must never go to the fourth floor. And there's a moment later on in the episode where, for whatever reason, someone says, yeah, we, we found the signal on deck four. Um, oh. I think there's a reference in there that we might not be aware of, given it's sort of hammered home twice. Mm. Um,
1: Very well picked up, Jamie. I mean, I guess... As you, I didn't actually quite realize, as you say, Jenny, that it doesn't come up again, so we don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but there is that interesting easter egg, and yeah, she's this hollow novel playing a governess to this stern Lord Burley, and she, I just thought it was kind of funny, because even as a supposed governess, she was still kind of battling with the matron or the other woman. Yes. Like very active, very Captain Janeway, not yeah. Governess Janeway. Um, um, but this, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but You know all my research into Star Trek and listening to lots of podcasts and reading articles. um, The scene reminded me that they used to, I think, I could be wrong. Don't quote me. Do these um, Hollow Deck novels or the you know settings in more kind of contemporary or historical Earth because they already have all the sets and the costumes.
0: So Mm.
1: for budget reasons, they can just set an episode in the you know, and then they don't have to create any special effects for
0: where Mm. they're going. So yeah. the set was nicknamed the Jane Eyre set by the film crew um, and the whole novella, which is known as Janeway Lambda One, has been compared to Henry James' novella, The Turn of the Screw, and, and I think this is the one that's more interesting, Daphne du Maurier's novel, Rebecca. Rebecca.
1: Well, that was some insights that you dropped there, <laughs> reading that from yeah. the internet.
0: Wikipedia can react very quickly to urgency. <laughs> Um, um, Jen, did you did you read definitely du Maurier and Rebecca?
2: Yeah, I've read. Um, in fact, I, I have read that one. But actually, uh, when I was you know watching that Hallowe'en novel, I was thinking of some other ones. Um, mm. I think I was thinking a little bit of uh, the Tenant of Phil Hall, which oh. is one of, the, one, of the, one of the Bronte sisters, I think, um, mm. and. Um, I mean, the thing is, it's that time period where there was a lot of literature about like the crazy woman in, in the attic or like, you know, some kind of dramatic um, supernatural oh, thing. Well, to the negative sexist tours, trips,
0: Jenny, God. Of a
2: Victorian mansion, you know, with, you know, and there's, yeah, I think it's possibly been used in a few novels. Um, mm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, it definitely reminded me of, I um,
1: oh, wish I could remember what it's called now. It'll come back to me, but yes, it was a bit gothic and a bit, um,
0: yeah. Well, it just sort of seemed like a prequel. What were the characters up to in Victorian times, twilight wise? The sort of drama and the lightning hitting every and thunder booming every time that someone made a vaguely dramatic pronouncement and oodles of melodrama in confrontation with the uh, the matron and Lord Burley sort of randomly appearing behind her to you know touch her shoulder and there were slight allusions to that as well in terms of did you guys get a slight vampire vibe with the injury that one of the crew members sustained where later on in the episode where they had contusions on their neck
1: no i think you've watched too many vampires (laughs) but let's i'm just teasing i'm just teasing but let's let's quickly let's we'll get to that point so Um, her whole novel is sadly interrupt- interrupted by Harry Kim, so we mm-hmm. never see
2: this whole novel again. As dramatic moment
0: is yeah. interrupted by another dramatic moment, was what I wrote exactly. down in my one note. It,
2: just, just so people don't completely forget it, though, it does come back, I believe, just not in this episode.
1: And she's uh, getting an update from Harry Kim, who's on the bridge, which is basically that the... they um he's giving an update on a status of an approaching shuttle, which has Tuvok and Chakotay in it, but they're only to faint life signs. So obviously something has happened on a yeah. mission and she orders that they are beamed directly to, direct to sickbay as soon as they were within range. And the next um, scene, we were in sickbay uh, and the doctor was kind of you know evaluating Chakotay and Tuvok. And Tuvok will be okay. He's just got a concussion, but Chakotay yeah. has been seriously injured. Does anyone remember his injury and want to describe it?
0: Wow. As
1: his
2: as his neural energy, yes,
0: his neural energy taken. is drained, by exactly. completely drained.
2: And so, so he's effectively brain dead. So the doctors yes. can keep him alive, but without a brain, presumably. <laughs> but not you've got the physical brain, but is lacking neural energy. Whatever the hell that is.
1: Yes, let's not dwell on that too long. But yes, it's actually pretty <laughs> serious for Jacote. I feel like I didn't actually quite realise how serious in the episode. But again, maybe that was... But yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he's but, quite seriously injured.
2: Know, biologically speaking, like there's a huge amount, I believe, that we don't know about the brain. So <laughs> this is... Oh, yeah. You never know. This could be, this, you know, science fiction. <laughs> I mean, it's
1: electrical. It? Is there
2: like Never mind. Sorry. I think there's
1: um, yeah. synapses and... Um, oh. um, um, and then we have our glorious musical intro and we're back in sick bay. And um, now Tuvok has kind of recovered and he's giving, I guess, an update on what happened what he remembers happening before um, this attack. And he says they were attacked by an unknown ship that uh, an energy discharge from his unknown ship that was hiding behind a nebula. He doesn't really remember anything. So he's like, I'll have to examine the shuttle logs to see if there was anything that remained. Um, and Janeway... In her classic To Save One, I Must Risk Them All decides to head back to the nebula because um, it turns out the doctor won't really be able to treat Chakotay unless he understands the weapon that was involved. So she wants to go back to the nebula to find the ship, find the weapon, and save Chakotay's life. Mm-hmm. Um, anything to add on that scene? I feel like I just have a lot of notes that I'm going to read if I don't <laughs> No, no,
0: no. Read I'm working on my sort of personal development points of uh, not interrupting folk. Um, But it's, yeah, I, I think that sort of sets the scene quite nicely for the journey back to the nebula that they start undertaking. Although I have to say, this is one of the very few episodes that struck me as potentially we could have set it in the Warhammer 40,000 Grimdark universe and it wouldn't have been out of place. Because as they start journeying on, and Red, tell me if I'm jumping ahead, just randomly out of nowhere the ship turns around on itself.
1: Well, yeah, that is the very next scene, I think. So I don't know the reference to Grimdark Hammer.
0: (laughs) Grimdark Hammer. Warhammer 40,000. It's it's, uh, an entire subculture, Red. (laughs)
1: A different podcast. Um, but on the, so the next scene, we like on the bridge and Tuvok reports that all the sensor data has been damaged, oh. which we need to remember for later. Oh, um, oh. But Jane is going to get Belana to try reconstruct it. And she's busy analyzing the nebula, you know, as they're approaching it. Uh, I mean there's maybe I've got too much detail here, but she basically can't scan inside it and she, she wants to reconfigure the scanner to try get mm. some idea of what's inside the nebula because she doesn't want to go in blind. But then she loses sight of the nebula and it turns out the ship has changed course so something and no one is responsible for it. Tom claims he didn't do it. They transfer the con, the com to Harry station and he resets the course mm. There's this weird blip I guess at this stage
0: yeah. um, but it is spooky. And yeah, it Even is. there you sort of see mounting suspicions, folk wonder what's going on.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess that's what that scene at the start with the holy Level is all about. They're trying to set this like um mysterious, terror, slightly paranoid. thriller. Everyone's a bit paranoid and it's sort of gothic um <laughs> vibe, for want of a yeah. better word, um, that then transfers to the actual um uh, the actual Star Trek storyline.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I didn't notice that. We never saw it again, but it didn't feel like out of place. So I guess, it, as you say, it helps set the, the scene and the tone. Um, so the next scene is quite sweet, I think. Oh, there is some weird background noise that comes every now and again.
2: Do you hear it, Jenny? Or... Yes, I'm not. Well, I don't have my headphones. I, I realized oh, um, okay. today, yeah. but I could go grab them. Mm. You guys can. Uh, okay,
1: you go grab them. I think it might help.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so, Jamie, I feel like you're going to want to talk about the next scene. Oh. Because we're in six and Balana is performing um, a special healing ritual for Chakotay. Yes,
0: um, and, and do, doing so in, in quite a sweet and touching way, because she's moving stones on a canvas square with a, a mandala, or of some description marked on it, um, which is a part of Chikose's uh, tribe's culture. And he had asked her if he was ever unconscious or unwell to perform effectively. Is it a spirit map? Is that what it's called? Or
1: um, Yeah, I think so. Sorry, I have a couple of terms r- written down here. To
0: effectively guide him home. Yeah. So she's yeah. moving stones around the spirit map. Um, and, and she reacts somewhat uh, prickly, if that's the term, to the doctor's approach, asking her why on earth she's come into his uh, scientific medical sanctum. Not his words, my words. Uh, and effectively suspended a dead animal there because it's made of leather. Uh, and she explains that what she's doing and rounds on him. Are you going to tell me off because of the fact that it's illogical? And he goes, no, uh, but you're doing it wrong effectively saying that she was uh going to guide chakotay to the home of the antelope women which would be a very attractive place for him to stay (laughs) i mean perhaps gives us an insight into chakotay's home life prior to uh joining the crew as it were uh which we could have done without maybe maybe Um,
1: um her commitment to like her leader and um
0: she I, has I, completely yes, different everything, in the other everything you've said, everything you've said, rather than what I, uh, with my mind in the gutter, chose to focus on.
1: <laughs> this whole podcast is about getting your mind out of the gutter.
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel it's more likely that the reverse happens—that uh, you guys are dragged into my uh, imaginativeverse of smut. But um,
2: anyway, <laughs> to move on from the s- smut, could I just say what I like about the scene? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, again it's the doctor oh he's so good but yeah. what I enjoy is that while is explaining to him um, you know all about the map and um, you know and he's got these looks on his face these expressions that um, would be very well uh, the expectation I think as an audience member um, is that he's about to come out with something extremely condescending about spiritual yeah. beliefs and so I just love that he's, he's got these expressions that yes. are really <laughs> meant to convey that that are then followed up by actually I know more about this than you, and you're doing it wrong.
0: Right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's just really yeah, well a lot
0: about psycho-spiritual uh, healing journeys.
1: The misdirection was brilliant, and yeah, he can do so much with his face. Just
0: yeah, see. yeah, it's uh, there's so much expression and so much subtlety to his face.
1: Yeah, um, I just wrote down, I think, the last line in the scene, which is when Bolano says, "Find your way home, Commander," which I thought again was very touching um i'm turning my page sorry for that sound um but the next scene is in kez's quarters where she has kind of this weird moment where she's um you and you can kind of see she's sensing a presence um um hmm. and you briefly see like and she actually asks is someone here yeah I mean, she's all on her own and you briefly yeah. see like this, this other perspective like this kind of woozy blurry yeah um,
0: What's the word when someone is uh, astrally projecting? It's as though someone is astrally projecting and you're seeing from their perspective as they whirl around the place. Um, Although Neelix's reaction is, first of all, to try and pretend her telepathy is just a silly little thing because she actually correctly found out that someone was in sickbay hours before uh, and then to get sort of outraged and jealous that someone was in her room with her, which is, again... (laughs) It
1: was so (laughs) funny when... Well, she's trying to explain, like, no, it was different to that sick bay episode you just described. Um, it was tangible. He's like, Who was it?
2: Like, it's
1: Gregor.
2: <laughs> Yeah, I quite like the two different. As you said, I think initially there's a as a real like manly condescension, like oh, was this like that time before when you thought you saw something, like, darling, you know, and then it immediately jumps to massive jealousy suspicion, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> the most dysfunctional relationship. <laughs>
1: oh dear, that was yeah, it was quite a funny little scene. Um, so. The next scene, we're on the bridge, and I think the ship course, like, uh, changes abruptly, like, so abruptly that people kind of half topple over. And this time, Harry Kim is locked out of the helm control by someone on deck 12. Mm -hmm. Um, And Tuvok restores helm control, and Tom, Tom was actually us, so he returns with an update about what he's been doing, but then suspicion falls back on him because... Jane, uh, Janeway asked Bellana, like, did you see anyone near navigation con- gavern- navigational control? She's like, Oh, I just saw Tom and Tom's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I was nowhere near there. Um, but he seems to be every he seems to be near the kind of controls every time something happens. Mm. Um, but I think Janeway handles this pretty well because she she believes him. She, you know, he gets defensive. And he's like, "It's not me." And she's like, "I believe you." But she's like, "But we can't rule out memory problems or something else going on." So mm. she's very open-minded about what could be happening. Mm. And this is quite early in the series, and he used to be a criminal, so she could have just mistrusted him.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, yeah.
1: locked up in that penal colony. I don't
0: even know why. <laughs> does, does she sort of respond to his his initial? Can you? You can't believe it's me because I can't remember doing it. With I think we can rule out a mutiny for now, Tom.
1: Oh, yes, very good line, mm. Jenny. I, see
0: some. No, oh, that,
2: that, I, I mean, it was literally just that I really enjoyed his um defense of himself because it was so um, it, he, he just seemed guilty, you know, <laughs> like he <literally laughs> responded, me? It's not me, <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. and the, the look on his face, and with everyone sort of you know, round him looking at him. Um you I think um you're right, Red. And then for Janeway to sort of cut in with, of course, we're gonna we're gonna, you know, add some humour into this, like, oh we'll roll out mutiny. Yeah. It's obviously nothing like that, just get to sit, you know, very well handled, Jane.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mary. She's very unparanoid at this point. Um, so mm. yes, he, he is sent to Sigbay and um the doctor's performing a scan and they have some of that classic Tom Doctor banter. I don't know if you want to elaborate, either of you.
0: Uh, I mean, oof. The the fact that Tom basically seems to decide that what he really wants to do is antagonise the person who's going to be responsible for for potentially uh, deciding his guilt or innocence by saying he wished there was another doctor from his childhood um, because that doctor gave him lollipops, whereas this doctor doesn't, seems... A little bit short-sighted in retrospect, given how often Tom is going to be the one who um, is possessed. But anyway.
1: Um, yeah, I didn't write down the line, but when Tuvok comes up for, back for an update, he, mm. the Doctor does have some very funny line. But apart from relapses into nostalgia or
0: something. Yeah, you know, yes. Really. Uh, <laughs> uh Tuvok asks the doctor, is anything uh, is there anything you can find with Tom? Uh or anything wrong with Tom? Apart from lapses into nostalgia, nothing. <laughs> uh, I love it.
1: But Tuvok has found Tom's DNA on the navigational controller and it's less than twelve years twelve hours old. So mm. he just can't get out from under this
2: cloud of
0: suspicion. <laughs> it's
2: always
0: um, Tom. Yes. Hmm?
2: So it's always Tom, isn't it? He's it's always, always Tom. In trouble,
1: uh, but yeah, he does seem genuinely puzzled at the, by this at this point because now he's like not even denying it. He's just like, actually, I have
0: no idea what's going on. Which actually um, is is a really good thing to do at that stage because it's quite clear that something has happened. Hmm. But denial does. I mean, you'd probably do the same thing under his circumstances of saying, "Well, look, I, I literally don't know what's going on."
1: Yeah, he can't even really deny it anymore because, well, as we'll discover. Um, so, yeah, I think, I mean, the doctor still has a few tests to perform, and Tubok requests, you know, keep them updated. Um, and we're back on the bridge, and Jamie and Tubok, Tupac, well, Tubok's found the ion trail of the attack ship. Mm-hmm. Um, And he kind of just brings up the fact that it seems to go into the nebula in a very erratic path, and then Mm. they will... Janeway deduces that, well, they probably have that path because of the stormy atmosphere around and in the nebula, so they plan Mm. to follow the Ion Trail exactly Mm. to get through safely. Um, And Janeway is about to give the order to, you know, set course and follow the trail, and the ship just stops. or the ship goes dark, rather. Mm. Um... And Harry Kim is like, we to impulse, power, energy is draining, the warp core is shutting down.
2: Mm. And
1: um, does anyone else want to explain next? Because this bit was, I mean, it took me a while to understand what was going on. But I, um,
2: yeah, I, I did, I don't know what it was. I did struggle to follow this one a little bit. Um, I think initially I felt like it was kind of a slow. To get going, episode and so my attention wandered a little bit to be honest. Um, And uh, then it got really good at the end, but it just it was was very slow to get going. So um, sort of what was happening, when and why, and which alien presence was in who was all um, (laughs) Uh, a bit confusing, but uh, you know intriguing, (laughs) intriguing but confusing. So the the sequence of the ship, the ship, something was stopping the ship. and I can't mm. remember at this point. So I think at, at this <laughs>
1: point, what I didn't quite—I had to like kind of think about—is that. So obviously, he's like I mean, they're dropping, like they're losing power. So Janeway heads directly to engineering, and then it turns out that I guess Bolana had undertaken the actions to
0: to stop the drain ship. the power. Yeah,
1: but I didn't quite because she didn't seem to have any idea what was going on. So when the captain comes in and accuses of doing all these things, she's like, oh, what are you talking about?" But would she not have noticed that that was happening? Wouldn't, I, wouldn't
0: I have noticed <laughs> that I stopped the ship. Yeah. Um I, the captain seems a lot more accusatory with Balana than she was with Tom, which is quite Yeah, awesome. she's
1: like um rattles off all the things she's supposedly done. And I was like, wait, did she do them? Or did something else? I was a bit confused at this point. Yeah. But I guess Balana did them and she had an, she had one of these memory lapses. Is that mm. the Okay.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, so but she's then, like I, I- yeah. Uh, then I and then I do remember. <laughs> okay. I struggle with the, who's who's acting, or why and who's taken over who. But then this was the way no one, they, they discovered. At this point, at this point was,
1: we don't know yet that <laughs> anyone has taken over anyone. So.
2: Right. Okay. Yes. Jane May's
1: so, just like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> on. But. but she-
2: this is this is helpful in a way that something's happened to Balano, because at least now they're, they're like, like right now we've got two people so they both go to sick bay they've got Belardo and they've got Tom in sick bay which means the doctor can actually um look at the similarities um yes. and then uh is able to deduce uh, a sort of um hypothesis about what's going on which is are we ready for that red or is yep. that not the yep. like, another scene <laughs> okay. Well, is is
1: exactly
2: great. Well. Okay, because this this is a bit I do remember. <laughs> so then he's um, he's done all the tests on all the other parts of them, um, and he can't find anything wrong with them. Um, the only thing that he has discovered that's um, going on with both of them is in their memory engrams, and uh, they both have completely normal engrams right up until the period where they were both acting strange and doing um, supposedly you know Oof. damaging, mutinous things. And yes. during that period, they both have um, unusual memory engrams um but they are the same as each other so the doctor um suggests that in fact the only explanation he can come up with is that there is another memory another uh neural energy or uh the neural energy of of something that has taken over both balana and tom during those time periods but then left immediately afterwards
1: yeah exactly
2: at which point two book says intruder alert <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs>
1: exactly. very prompt response um, yes he immediately sets the intruder alert, and he hypothesizes that this kind of uh being or presence came back on the shuttle with him and yeah. chakotay mm-hmm. so kind of as they discussing this it's like i think jane way tubac uh Bellana, tom i think that's who's in the scene
0: Hmm.
1: um they're kind of discussing the possibilities and they are kind of starting to understand the risk because this um um alien seems intent on pre- preventing them from going back to the nebula and can jump from person to person um without anyone knowing so they don't they kind of start to realize this someone else could be inhabited by this being and we don't know have no way of hmm. telling so
2: hmm. don't actually and they yeah. say so the- it could be anyone at which Oops. point the doctor chimes in except for me because yes. I'm not organic and then uh, and then they decide the only solution
0: yeah.
2: the safest thing to do is to transfer all the command codes to the doctor seeing as he's the only one mm. who can't be taken over uh,
1: exactly and he's like will I be in charge and she's like no <laughs> no. <laughs> no no <laughs> none of that <laughs> just uh, if he suspects that someone has been he's more like a fail safe if he thinks someone has been inhabited by this uh, alien being mm. um, so Oh, this was, I, I thought it was a very funny scene. So Janeway asks the doctor, like, are you up to it? And he's like, of course. I make life and death decisions every day. And Tom's like, I feel like, better I already. Feel better <laughs> <laughs> the way he delivered that line, maybe laugh
0: out loud yeah. for some reason. <laughs> well, to, to be honest, like, I, I think I would be most comfortable with the personality who's got that power of life and death being the doctors, actually. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I agree, I'm waiting for the AI overlords
0: I tell everybody this I I also think that Jane treats the Doctor an awful lot more respectfully this episode, so that there's a moment earlier where um, basically when they're deciding to go back to the Nebula, she says I'll keep you posted Doctor, rather than just going off without so much as a you know, this is what's going to happen and I like that he's improved his Beowulfing, his status (laughs)
1: Oh yeah, he kind of proved. Yeah, I, I guess like I mean, I feel like Janeway has, yeah. Some. It's very hard to remember where in the series this happens, but. I think she doesn't necessarily see the Doctor as a human, or the way I think I would, just because he looks like a human and acts like a human. But I think she does respect like your contributions. So he did that great away right. mission, you know, and so now he's like gone up in her esteem
0: because mm. he carried on
1: well that's how
2: i interpreted. it
0: which is a bit silly given that you know the only comparable crew member in the last i don't know when the enterprise was out and about roaming the stars was commander data who i mean we all know what his service record was
1: yeah very good <laughs> is that what you mean
0: yes yes i do <laughs> it was a guess but yes i do <laughs>
1: um yeah so everyone leaves sickbay with the aim of getting the warp core back on quicker than the two hours or something that should take or t- um but outside the outside sickbay kiss kind of like runs up to Janeway and says that you know she thinks janeway's right she's been experiencing this presence um and tuvok suggests a mind melt because of um mm. the fact that Kes's telepathic abilities are undisciplined quote-unquote
0: mm. interesting
1: and um Kes agrees, and Jamie gives the order to proceed. Um, and then next, the next thing we see is like Harry and a crewmate. I never got his name. I don't know. Um, I feel like we see him again. But- is this
2: Durst? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Durst. No, I only remember him because. Um- he's in a later episode yes, yes. <laughs> I, never, oh. I never forget for various reasons <laughs> which I'll we'll get to remember on another episode
0: he sounds like the lead guitarist of um limp biscuit who's called yes he
1: played in london this weekend oh anyway
0: are they still alive
1: i'm so upset every six months i think to myself i need to find out if all the bands that i listen to like as a teenager and in my early 20s are still touring because some of them I probably are. And then I never look it up. And then I find out I missed Limp Biscuit. Even though I only know probably like three <laughs> songs. <Limp>
0: <laughs> oh, red. Do you
2: know, though, but they're so expensive. I can't believe. It. Mm-hmm. I know, like, I sound like a real. I, old it was 50, I heard it was £50. Pounds. Oh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. Do you exactly. remember? Okay, it's not yeah. like 280 or something to see. I don't know Taylor
2: Swift yeah. I was I was looking at buying some tickets to see the Gypsy Kings um, as a present. Um, well, this is the thing because we got we all went the three of us to um, see them that time in Kew Gardens, and I, oh. I, it, was, it was very reason. I can't remember how much it was, it was. A very reasonable price to get tickets to see them now over a hundred pounds. Wow! Yeah, for like the cheapest seats. Anyway, sorry, massive detour. No, that's <laughs> a great detour. Um.
1: But yeah, Harry and Durst are like just kind of walking down the passage, discussing the fact that they need to steal off the un- like different parts of the ship and like what could be the, the threats and everything. And they approach the turbo lift and they open it and we see Kez and Tuvok just collapsed unconscious in the turbo. Lift. So something bad happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: and then it's the captain's log and um, she's just saying that Tuvok and Kez have been hit by an energy discharge once again and Tuvok is okay again. Okay, now sorry to get it, <laughs> uh, a bit suspicious. But Kiz is in the code. Um, so the next scene they're in the briefing room. Um, and Tuvok is kind of giving an update on again what he experienced. He's saying it was similar to what happened on the, the shuttle. Mm. is like, we didn't pick up anything on the sensors. Um, and then Tom kind of says that they need to use some special sensor. And then Blana comes up with his a brain Magnetron. Wave. Yeah. A magneton flash scan. Which sounds like a special scan all at once across the whole ship to see if they can mm. pick up this energy. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, so then, this is quite a funny—well, not funny, but interesting to see. So, Be- uh, Bellana turns to Harry to get his opinion, and he is like on another planet. So yes. they immediately think that he's been impacted. <laughs> mm.
0: well, we, we never discover whether he has or he hasn't been because, I mean, it's held uncomfortably long and there's then that incredibly tense moment as Janeway sort of interrogates him and he realises, oh, you're, you're suggesting that I was taken over. I, I thought I was just in a daydream. And we'll, I, well never actually he know... was
1: thinking of a scientific paper, wasn't he? So I've, I kind of bought that.
0: <laughs> but yeah, Tom was when... thinking of other things while he was uh, turning the ship around. So we'll never actually know if he was in a daydream or... If he was actually taken over, but it does prompt that moment of paranoia and that suggestion of splitting uh, command protocols as well.
2: Mm. I don't know why. I just love uh, Janeway's delivery of the line. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm very disturbed by what's just happened here. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the sort of seriousness of it, but uh, I just think it's very well done. Mm. Yeah,
1: she is she is really good but yeah she 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 does say that she's very um well what did you say Jenny? very uncomfortable what did she say she says
2: very disturbed by what's just mm. happened disturbed, yeah.
1: because she sees how this situation can lead to like increasing mm. increased paranoia
2: amongst everyone
1: and um,
0: personal conflicts and dissent
1: Yes, and as if to prove a point, in the next scene, we see Neelix in the sick sickbay reporting someone to the doctor for changing their drink order. Yeah. <laughs> so this, the paranoia is spreading.
0: But, but, I mean, Neelix really goes extremely. He says, oh, he, he's changed. He never changes it. Can't you scan him or at least dissect him?
1: <laughs> I
0: mean, what, what must life have been like on Neelix's planet if... Oh, it's suspicious. You know how we find out if someone's worthy of suspicion or not? Dissect them.
1: <laughs> what? To be fair, his girlfriend is not in a coma, which I had forgotten. Because I was like, he's- why is he behaving so irrationally?
0: I would like to point out that this is still not the moment at which he's useful.
1: Oh, sorry. I was trying to turn on the light on my notebook. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's really funny. And the doctor's like... Well, actually, you're acting so paranoid that that's different. You know, trying to highlight the fact that he just needs to calm down, <laughs> and he, that he's already kind of in a fragile emotional state. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the doctor gets very annoyed because Tuvok comes in to perform some sensor rejigging or something. He's like, "Do you have to do that now?" And Tuvok explains, "This captain's orders." And he's like, "How is Kes?" Um. Cares? um and um, but and the doctor like, well, yeah. He kind of points out that kids' injuries are different to what uh, mm. Tubak and Jakut—they're Jaco- more like physical assault injuries than energy discharge injuries. Yeah. Um, so Tubak's like, I don't have any memory of a physical mm. assault. So, Perhaps yeah, I but-
0: was taken over, and he—he he see, uh, It seems like the obvious conclusion, but suspiciously at this stage in uh, the narrative. He takes an awfully long time to suggest that.
1: That's true because Tuvok is so logical; he should have.
0: And you know, his his role is to identify threats and shut them down, and it's uh, it takes a suspiciously long amount of time to do that.
2: Mm, I got to say, I just am crap at guessing because I never, I never.
1: Oh no! I would never. No, it's more like in hindsight. I feel like in other episodes, Tuvok has been like, I'm a risk because of this, mm. you know, or like yeah. he, he will acknowledge when like, he's mm. just like so analytical, he's not like trying to protect it. But mm. I think it's a good point that Jamie raises that he, he doesn't like make the leap. because mm. um, The audience is making the leap, I guess.
0: And I wonder why.
1: Well, yes. Yeah, so the, the next oh, scene that, I think that, is that <laughs> it's, it's so, um, is so good because it's Janeway's ready room and it's just Janeway and Tuvok, and they have this very, um, intense scene. I think, gosh, mm. I can barely see my writing now. Yes, so, um, Tuvok reports that the magneton scan will be ready in like two hours, but there's some side effects like dizziness and everything. And, um, mm. um and he tells you what the doctor told him about Kes, a physical assault, not an energy discharge. and um, Janeway starts to realize that Tuvok might have attacked Kiz.
0: Mm.
1: And um, I just thought it was, they, they both acted this so well, and this is not something we comment on very often, but the close-ups, as they, like, zoom in on each actor, yeah. really, like, um, heighten this, like, sense of uh, claustrophobia and I don't know, paranoia. Mm. Mm. Um, and... Tubok acknowledges that it's possible and so he suggests that they ask the doctor to run a scan, but Janeway can't actually reach um the doctor and he's been deactivated. The emergency medical hologram has been deactivated. Yeah.
2: yeah, and this is a real flaw in their previous plan, isn't it? Because yeah. at this point you learn that if the doctor is deactivated. The command codes immediately just fall back to Janeway again. So you've got to wonder, like, what was the whole point in the first plan? Then? <laughs> because yeah. that's an easy way around it, um, yeah.
0: you know, there seems the, the... an absence of situationeering. It's true. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I th- I'm going to push back slightly because yes, it's very easy to deactivate the doctor, but it's very normally very easy to reactivate him. But someone's actually completely taken him offline. I guess. I would you assume because
0: down. something was easy once it will be? easy this time
1: no i mean the doctor can turn on and off that's but he's actually been i guess taken
0: out of the equation
1: yeah so Mm. something extra something extra has been yeah
0: but that that triggers as you say the intense conversation between tuvok and the skipper as they work out what's the best way of inserting some redundancy and de-risking that particular situation and they decide to split the command code responsibility if I recall correctly
2: yes very correctly eh?
0: mm. but it's it's really really well acted because it, you can oh, well. you can tell the tension as they reach that sort of conclusion mm-hmm. um, but I wish I could speak about this episode in retrospect in terms of what I know having watched it because. It becomes an even more sort of fraught scene. Based, yeah, I can't, I can't, well, we can't can can break n- the fourth wall of you know narrative sequence in this podcast. Can
1: <laughs> well, we can discuss that at the end, I guess.
0: Okay. So maybe just don't one, forget. one, one for the parking lot.
1: Um, but yes, they're kind of like, yeah. So they they like they leave the ready room, go onto the bridge to tell the crew they they plan to de- divide the um, command codes and let everyone know the doctors offline. Um, but then, as I wrote, all hell breaks loose. So Does anyone else want to describe this?
0: I, I mean, hard, oh. hardly not. We, we we hardly see demons of the fifth abyss, do we?
1: Well, for 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 a star sleet i would say all hell breaks loose yeah
2: and it's to in, in a, trying to describe it is quite um, quite uh tricky um but uh i
1: did make
2: some notes I, so I if you, if you know, get me well. going red i can then yeah <laughs> well janeway attacks tuvok right so it starts with janeway um
0: Attack and then
2: uh, and then so tuvok shouts out to i think harry or the crew to basically um just stun to stun her. her because you know she's clearly the alien hmm. um but then uh, i think there's some confusion harry doesn't know who to uh, who is the alien well, and, and they're both yeah. saying oh, she's the alien no he's the alien that's a
1: little later but you uh, <laughs> we see the alien actually enter harry kim at this point yeah and then tom has to disarm him tom his best friend is like has to punch him in the well don't punch him in the face it's um not the, not um, the
0: beautiful harry kim face yeah. would never punch that. But
1: yes, just some, um, Harry.
0: Mm. And in the confusion of sort of body jumping, you're never quite sure who, who's who got an alien inside them.
2: Yeah, because then... There's actually, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I just... Uh, basically, there's some jumping and... Uh,
0: uh, mm. Yeah. Uh, basically. Various random people deck each other, and no one uses yeah. it in the way that I would under that situation to immediately settle scores by stunning that dick on the other side of the con who's been getting up my nose. No okay. one takes advantage of that. Well, Tuba's does use his LPP. Oops, of- oh, sorry.
2: Hmm. Yeah. To stun everyone. Yes, breaking
0: scanner. And, he pulls a trigger and everyone cute. goes down.
2: Yeah, that's. That, that, <laughs> ends the complicated situation by yes. stunning everyone and I've got to ask though, that wide bean stun um, I feel like if they could they never use that again and it's really useful and they could have used yeah. that in so many other situations for the rest of the yeah. series really um, I feel like you never see it again, it's a great that's a weight move
0: great tool of mass great. destruction, it would be so useful
1: um, that reminds me um, Robert Duncan McNeil so the actor who plays Tom, he always goes on about how they make such a big deal on the pilot about the number of torpedoes they have on Voyager. Mm. And then by the end of the series, they've used like three times that number of torpedoes.
2: <laughs> oh dear.
1: Um, but yes, so yeah, when the scene happened, I was like, I mean, I made some notes, but I was like, I don't really know how to describe what's <laughs> yeah. happening.
2: It's a great hilarious. scene, though. Like, it's yeah. great to watch. It's difficult to describe, but great to watch.
0: Yes. Yeah. You
1: can kind of see... I mean, it's hard to interpret, really, but at one point, Janeway kind of goes blank, and then Tuvok kind of senses. Then, like, Janeway attacks Tuvok a bit. But I was like, I don't know how to write all that down.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it must have been, uh, well, possibly a nightmare to film, but it also looks quite fun to film as well. Yeah. You probably had to do it a lot of times. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, those are all like proper stunts that need like proper you know, I mean one thing I learned is that just like stepping off a ledge is a stunt if you're the actual actor and not a stunt person. So hmm. I mean sorry, not to be disparaged. <laughs> <but>, um, <clears throat> um yeah, so they the next scene we're in sick bay. Janeway's getting treated, they still can't get the doctor online, um, Tom is a temporary medic. Oh, I need to take a sip, sorry.
0: It <laughs> no worries. We, we appreciate that um, most people take to drink after a certain amount of time in my company.
1: Um, uh, so Tom has kind of taken over this, you know, the medic um, responsibility. And Balana hails Janeway on her combat and also to come to engineering. So in engineering, basically, I guess we get a hint of what's been happening because Balana's has done some investigation. Do you want to share what she's found?
0: Dodgy goings on.
1: (laughs) Well, summer rised. (laughs)
0: Um, No, this is where I I run against the disadvantage of uh, everything that's been a little bit fraught. So I can comment, but I can't remember sort of specific sequences or details.
1: Okay, yeah, no worries. Um, So she basically says she's been trying to reconstruct the logs, and it turns out um, they were never damaged. They were deleted deleted. and then manipulated to... Like so, it would seem as if they were damaged, mm. and um, and from the backup logs, she can see there was a nebula, there was an energy discharge, but there was no ship. So she thinks the energy, energy discharge came from the nebula itself. Mm. So Janeway asks, "Why would Tuok lie?" And then I think Belana hypothesizes that maybe he was already the alien,
0: or possessed he... by the alien.
1: Yeah. yeah, possessed by the alien. Yeah. Um, and then I think there's a message from Bridge to Janeway to say they're approaching the nebula and that Megaton scan? What's it called? <laughs> megaton scan will be ready in like 20 minutes. So all these things are leading up to this final...
0: Mm. And then <sighs> this is it gets it really confusing. Like a climactic point, but not in the way that everyone expects it to happen.
1: Okay, why do you say that, Jamie?
0: Well the situation as we currently understand it they're going back to the nebula to track down a ship that uh, attacked and siphoned life force off one of their crewmates and following a nebulous trail that appears to be a trail of breadcrumbs discovered by tuvok of that ship through the nebula now as we're soon to discover by various things that are being found uh, by both Balana finding out the fact that, uh, as you say, the records weren't destroyed, they were deleted deliberately, and as they sort of investigate the actual breadcrumb trail, they realise there are none of the telltale breadcrumbs that would suggest... A sh- an actual ship's engines passage, so uh, Disturbed yes. ion Trails, things like which that.
1: Jane we catches Tuvok in the light.
0: Yeah, and, and she, she sort of quite cunningly puts that to the test because she, um, she mentions, oh yeah, she sort of draws him into the conversation and invites him to confirm that it was a ship, um, which she says, yes, it, it absolutely was, and she says, it's an odd ship that doesn't have an engine. um. And if I remember the sequence correctly, this actually leads to a slightly final confrontation or initiates a what feels like a final confrontation in which Tuvok for the second time in 24 hours pulls a phaser on everyone in the room in the command deck um, and informs them that it's set to wide beam and also fatal, if I remember correctly.
1: But Jenny, sorry to interrupt, but... Um... I'm Jamie. No, no, but this is the moment that Jenny was thinking of because oh. uh, Janeway orders Henry to reverse course. Tuvok's like, no, that's what the alien wants. And he's like stuck in the middle. Oh. Little Harry Kim. But he goes to the captain, which I guess is the most sensible thing to do. Why make a decision if you just have to follow the most highly ranked person? Mm. Well,
2: that's how I interpreted. it. Well, no, that's how I interpreted. it. I was like, if he, can't, if he doesn't know um, and there's no clues one way or the other um hmm. and you, you would just default to the highest rank I think. That's, <laughs> what I, that's what i
1: do <laughs> yeah very smart i think um i would have been looking for some signs <laughs> yeah um uh, but then we see uh two box sla- our two box slash alien true colors revealed because yeah. he orders everyone to gather together and that he has his phaser set to this wide beam again and set to kill mm. Um, and everyone obeys as, they, as they're busy entering the nebula.
0: And, but does does he actually also confess at this stage who they are as they? Not
1: not quite yet. Yeah. But, but the one thing that we didn't mention is just before all this hell breaks loose for the second time, Tom Duh. inter like, returns and he's kind of completed some analysis the doctor was doing, saying that the injury that Kes has it's not from a vampire, Jamie. It's from a Vulcan neck pinch. <laughs> I
0: mean, There's a is there a difference here. between Vulcans and vampires, Red? Is there?
1: I believe so. I think Vulcans would be very offended.
0: I mean, I, I think you you go on an awful lot of subjectivity. I think there is. Have you ever well, seen a Vulcan eating red in real life? I don't and know. You perhaps any what they're skin like skin. in non-fictionalized art forms.
1: No, I cannot. So um, So they
0: could be vampires. Imagine a Vulcan vampire. That would be absolutely terrifying.
2: It would be illogical. <laughs> really do
1: vampires
0: have pointy ears no yeah yeah <laughs> they do when they're like in very very bat type sort of vampires uh-huh. and also there, there are creatures which are hemovores in real life so there's no reason why you couldn't have a, a race of pointy-eared uh, hemovore humans <laughs> you could have Vulcan what is the name
1: of war again? Sorry, so I good. actually. <laughs> <It's> <laughs>
0: something that uh, lives off and drinks blood.
1: This is reminding me of that book I read, which was the making of Star Trek, the TV series. So this book was written in like the nineteen late nineteen sixties, early nineteen oh. seventies. That original series, and they were talking about the character Spock, and it's really funny because now I mean we grew up with Spock, a bit, I mean, and Vulcans and how we perceive them it's obviously kind of very different, to maybe what the intention and the audience at the time, because the creator kept saying they wanted to make Spock this Satan-like character. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> I don't even
0: know. Wow. Why? I
1: think she used to be very. um I just wanted to be to, a you know, fun like,
0: vampire.
1: No, I mean, like, I guess it was to go for some kind of contrast with, like, I'm not. Re- I, I'll have to reread the book, but that just sparked that memory. I was like, Wow, well, I've never interpreted him like that
0: at all. But how could you? Yeah, that would be really. Cool.
1: I think you had to be alive in the 1960s to. Be like, kind of shocked by someone that was a bit different. You know what I mean? That's um,
2: that's oh, yeah. how I entered I wonder just, if there was some kind of political thing going on there, like as in. I mean, not like know, Satan,
1: as in like a bad character, you know, like not not all the like religious connotation, but someone who just looked the opposite, I guess, of what we'd expect, like
2: um, oh, so just super- human sort of yeah, superficially yeah. like Satan
1: yeah superficially not like oh. to be a baddie or anything like that just to be kind of a bit shocking maybe mm. and different I'm like the guy just had like some sideburns at some point <laughs> yeah. <he was> <laughs> uh, yeah I can't see it but oh. uh,
2: yeah mm.
1: but times were different um, okay so let's wrap this up because yes it gets this scene I also had to take some extra care but yeah so He's got everyone gathered and they're kind of obeying him, but monitoring the situation. So we come back to them a little bit later and Harry Kim has picked up some energy pulses mm. in the nebula mm. and says they're heading our way. And I think this is when Janeway asks something like, is this, are those pulses your people or something? And Tubak is like, we are the Kamar and this is our domain. Kumar. Yeah.
0: So I, was, um, I just found so- it quite an interesting and dramatic pronunciation.
1: Um, and then we see this like alien point, uh, astral projection point of view again, and it mm-hmm. entered, we see it enter Galana Engineering and eject the warp core. And um, this seems to go against what Tuvok wanted. So he, I think he's like someone, like, he's like, no, that wasn't supposed to happen or something. And then Janeway and Tom and Durst um, are discussing and they kind of realize that there's these two invisible forces battling and maybe mm-hmm. one of them is Chakotay
0: and Sigli. Yeah.
1: So the guy who has had no lines or anything that he was ever said is brought back.
0: I mean, uh, there is another way of looking at it, which is the Marquis who's been trusted with command responsibilities on a Star Trek vessel is the one who initiated a mass brawl and a phaser being fired on the bridge.
1: Um, please repeat that because sorry, I had to just dis- I had to um, get rid of that. Quite of right. I was
0: saying the other way of looking at it is as opposed to the guy who has no lines is the one with the most influence. It could be the uh, the marquis who's been promoted, uh, trusted with command responsibilities, is the one who initiated a mass phaser packing brawl on the command bridge for the first time in this series.
1: Yeah, you just had to be like a. Astral projection to do it.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, hence I'm still not sure who did the, what, but spirit yeah. map.
1: Spirit map. Um. So, so two box the alien admits that he wants everyone mm. on the ship because their neural energy will power his mm. um mm. people for years to come. And I, I laugh because Janeway offered her very typical response at this point, which was like, "Maybe we can help you find that energy." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that seems- a go-to, like, if someone's attacking them for something, she's like, let us help mm. you find what you're looking for. Yes. <laughs> um, it is. And, uh, yeah, go
0: ahead. No, no, no. I'm, I'm doing my typical thing of commenting after the fact. You go, you go. Huh?
1: I think at this point, they are kind of interrupted by an attack from all the energy beams, and then um, but the magneton scan that had been, like, set up to go 20 minutes earlier or something mm. initiates. And Tom
0: activates it. How does he activate
1: it? Maybe I was making notes.
2: Oh. Thank you. I wondered That's about
0: nice. that. Yeah, I. I oh, you I didn't missed. understand like what I was happening.
2: Like I missed. I missed. I don't know if my attention was just wavering, well, or no, it was just quite a fast-paced episode. No, I no, 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 lots no of I missed including For, that. Um,
0: they, they, they're all made. They're made aware earlier in the episode that when the magneton scan is initiated crew-wide, it would make everyone basically want to. Vomish everywhere and feel really disorientated. Oh, no, yeah, no, no, no.
2: I saw, I, I got all that. It yeah, was, we know. It was, yeah, like we the know the magotan scan happened. Yeah, the moment it happened, whether that was an automatic thing. I, I just, I didn't see Tom oh, activate I, I it. I thought
0: that was triggered deliberately by Tom Paris.
2: It, yeah, well, it might have been, and it just, I missed it, yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, um, that's how yeah, they so, take control back from.
1: Yeah. Because we see Tuvok. the alien, like, appear to leave Tuvok's body. I did enjoy his little, like, collapse. Yeah. Side, <laughs> um, and they scan, and it was a trionic based energy being. Beam, mm. beam. don't know, what never that trust
0: a trionic based the trionic-based energy being, <laughs> never, <ever>. never <laughs> forget.
2: <high>
1: <laughs> but they, they're actually still in the nebula and under attack, and they need to get out. So, um, and the energy beings are beginning to get through their shields. Mm. Uh, and we actually see the alien enter. Well, I guess what we think is the alien. Into Nelix and Sigbe, who then yes. rearranges the medical wheel, and then mm. Nelix like comes through and he reports to Janeway what just happened. Mm. Um and they realize that it could be a message from Shakote and realize that actually it's a map from Shakote mm. and he's mapped out a route out of the nebula past three mm. little planets. Um they battle to clear the nebula but they do get out in the end and the energy beings do not pursue. So just to wrap that up quickly. Yes. Um and then the next a scene is a captain's log um, where she mentions that they've managed to retrieve the warp core. They've re the doctor and they're hoping to reintegrate Jacote's consciousness, which I guess mm. um, takes us into that scene in sick bay. And all I wrote was it works. Jamie, I feel like you. To <laughs>
0: <see>. <laughs> I, I mean, I question many things in this scene, um, I mean, I I actually love how the conceit of the spirit blanket works, and and the use, or effectively, um, the fact that <laughs> Chakotay earlier in the episode uh, spirit commands uh, well, takes over, possesses Neelix, and makes Neelix swap where one of the rocks is on his map to effectively provide the uh, the guide out of the nebula. But I I also I don't know. I just sort of feel that if it's the 20, however many centuries, and you've got high tech and all of these sorts of things, you wouldn't be keeping people under fluorescent polyester blankets, which is just <laughs> what it looks Maybe like. Maybe it was
1: the eight or something when they made that. That was very futuristic. Was it? I mean, that is a, a blanket over him and a clamshell. That's all medical a equipment. blanket That's and not- a
0: clamshell. You're quite right. I, I stand corrected. But they, they do seem to be trying to emphasize the closeness of chacote and, uh, and the captain in that scene because they try and wake him and they find out that he is awake. The doctor when asked how he did it by the captain decides to go Warp Nine patronizing and say, oh, I could easily tell you, it would just take about 10 hours. And if I decided to write a paper about it, I I could present and I would basically have my career made if there was anywhere to present <laughs> this by captain. And there's a bit of a there. there. Um, but then Chakotay says, he is asked how it feels to be back and what it had felt like. And he said, I thought I was dead. And then I realized bit by bit I could start to possess people, which seems a pretty steep astral projection learning curve for a guy who's basically piloting space edge <laughs> yeah. technology. You and, got asked, and, um, how did
2: he find that out? I mean
0: Presumably the... by going and rubbing well, no, no, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> it's, it's...
2: Well, Boston if
0: you're just floating to around. Imagine, to that.
1: imagine you are floating around in the like around your people that you know. You would try and communicate with them in any and I guess I guess eventually you'd figure out like, oh, if I do this i can control their hand
0: or if i do this i can i mean there's a fairly close proximity in there so I'm, I'm glad it's mostly you know members of the crew who he presumably isn't orientated towards that he possesses but let's leave that aside um but then he says that honestly it felt like he'd never been away because he was just sort of hanging out on the ship astrally projecting everywhere the entire time
1: yeah, I thought, I don't know, for some reason that really, I don't want to say hit me, that's a very mm. strong thing, but you're like, this whole time you've kind of thought of him as just being totally absent, but actually he's been like so active, um, mm. just not in a way that was percept- perceptual, perceptual,
0: perceivable,
1: <laughs> perceivable. thank you, my lord, mm. by the crew or the people around him.
2: Yeah. Um yeah. I mean, I have to say, I quite like the way they deal with the um, how did you do it, doctor question, because <laughs> when they were, when they were, you know, they had the picture of the, um, just before this scene, they had the picture of the ship. And uh Jane was doing a little summary saying, you know, we've picked up the warp core and now we're integrating um, uh, Chakotay's neural energy back into his brain. And I was like, yeah, how are you going to do this? And what is the explanation going to be? Because you don't have the help from the aliens, Um so i, I, I there's, um, no weapon,
1: they found. there's no there's weapon' there's
2: absolutely nothing to go on, and it's completely out there, like uh, you know, integrating neural energy back into a human's brain and um so I love that the way that they dealt with it was with the doctor to re- basically refuse to explain because everyone else was too stupid to understand.
1: some <laughs> very good writing, yeah. yeah yeah I always I mean, you know, you know that I have this little comedy writing wannabe hobby I don't know how to describe it but it is funny when you think about writing a script or whatever you can change so much or you can get yourself out of such corner like if you're backed into a corner you can just change a few words and then you, you, you it all makes sense it's like quite impressive the power of the um, of the you know just using your words Um. oh yes and then I think I mean the only other thing I made a note here was that Chicote apologizes to Tubok. He says, sorry, I had to dick. I had to knock you around, Tuvok. Um, but Tuvok seems to understand. So any final think I have no more notes except for going on to Star Player, which I haven't thought about.
2: I found it quite a, a, uh, a, a tricky episode. Um, like I, lo- I loved bits of it, um, but there were lots of sort of bits that you feel like, I don't really know what's going on, or I think I've missed something. Um and it felt like quite a slow start as well to me, so it was a bit sort of. Um, and then it and it was and then the end was quite sort of you know they, of course, they often end on something quite dramatic and um, it sounds like a conclusion you know, um, whereas the end was also felt a bit sort of um, I don't know. Well, I it will make my. I'll make, yeah, I'll make my.
1: Um, I'll pitch. I'll pitch my two star base. One, I think my favorite my favorite part of the episode was that scene in Janeway's ready room with Tuvok and Janeway, where they, it's dawning on them, that they can't really trust each other. And these are two people that have trusted each other without questioning it ever. Um, but that's not really a star player, but I just really, really love that scene. I rewatched it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think my star player is going to go, and this is for the reason of acting, Jenny, not yeah. um, crew performance, is to Tom Paris or Robert Duncan. (laughs) Because I think what we were talking, I find it so interesting when people play deceit, like they act like as if they're deceitful or they're not deceitful, and how they can convey whether they're actually being honest or they're actually maybe lying. Mm. I find that really fascinating.
2: And I think he did a good job
1: in uh, acting. So
2: was he... Uh, so do you think he was acting deceit then?
1: No, I think he was genuinely like puzzled and didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. But um, it did remind me of, the, I think he acted that well. And it did remind me of this fact. It's like, I once said to my sister, like if you're watching a rom-com or whatever, someone can look like they are genuinely in love with that person they're acting with. And it makes you think that someone in your life could do the same <laughs> <laughs> thing. A, a complex thing
0: that he's doing because everything he's doing by default of the fact he's acting is a lie but then he's trying to act someone who is not telling a lie being circumstances but in such a way that casts suspicion on him because the circumstance is suspicion and how do you make yourself in that circumstance ambiguously or unambiguously seem like someone who's reacting naturally when one of the most difficult things is working out if humans are reacting predictably or unpredictably in situations where they might be guilty of something. Because actually, most humans have a perception of how other humans will act when they're feeling guilty, surprised or shocked. It'll surprise no one to understand that there is as much variation in terms of what people think is guilty behavior as there is in in numbers of human perception. So one person will think, well, naturally he'd get angry. He's being accused of something he didn't do. Another would say, well, naturally he'd be quiet and scared and confused because he doesn't know what's going on. But, you know, you could equally say he's scared scared because he's guilty. He's angry because he's trying to deflect. And what you're saying, Red, I completely agree with. It's incredibly skillful to be able to portray a realistic portrayal of how someone might react under those circumstances of being an honest dupe who is honestly duped when in fact this is someone dint of being an actor acting portraying not necessarily doing something like that and who actually also knows what's going on
1: yeah i think you summed, you articulated exactly what i was thinking but much better than i could so thank you jamie even the um, stopped clock stopped. is right
0: twice a day, Red. Say that again? Uh, I was saying that uh, I'm the stopped clock no. that is right twice a day.
1: No. But yeah, I think you get what I was saying and you articulated very well. Mm. Uh, do you guys have star players or... Well, I know it's stars. something else, but we don't have to do it. I, I
2: think yeah. it was... I, tr- I struggled this time. Um, but interestingly, actually, I was leaning to Tom Paris as well, Red. So, ah. yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't even, am not even sure why really. I just quite liked his acting in it. I, I, um, I liked the character of this sort of me, <laughs> you know, this sort of innocence <laughs> like, mm. you know, it's happening to me again. And um, uh, mm. I don't remember that. And you know, this, um, I just think he played it all really well. It was sort of quite, mm-hmm. and it was quite a lighthearted um, mm. sort of feel, whereas a lot of the other scenes were quite um, intense. Um, and and complicated Mm. to follow. So it was quite a relief to have him in there. Mm.
1: Yeah, he was some light relief. And um, also that line he had about the doctor. Well, now I feel safe, or now I feel relieved, or whatever it was. I feel better already. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I would like, as ever, to pick my devil's advocate uh, player of the episode and say it's Tuvok. Because it's a hell of a feat to deceive an entire Starfleet crew and actually almost hijack the damn ship.
1: And also he's the least expected one, in a sense, because he seems like resistant to telepathy and he's illogical. And
0: And also manages, in spite of taking every possible decision that you would logically take to reduce the risk of uh, body jacking That you would expect a security officer to take to put himself closer and closer to the uh, what would you call it the wheels of power? Uh, Yeah, Uh, and that's that's quite an interesting level of espionage and one that historically I think that crew has been vulnerable to given Seska's activities as well.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah, I think I mean yeah, I think very well deserved. Um, Yeah.
0: Doesn't get away with it though. Tom Paris no. could win.
1: <laughs> Any final thoughts? Or no, I was going to say.
0: not actually no. Neelix was every bit as annoying. There just wasn't as much. Of him.
1: Why did you say he did something useful? Oh, the the Spirit map. Yep. He wasn't even in control of his own. I know. That's
0: why I said <laughs> Neelix does something useful, and he's not even in control of his own body. Honestly, why do you hate Neil? He's done loads
2: of useful stuff by this point. Loads of
0: stuff. I'm in denial. I'm in denial. I don't like it.
1: (laughs) You said he's growing on you, so we'll see.
0: Like a fungus.
1: So we'll see you in uh, a random amount of time for the next episode, which
2: will be confirmed (laughs) next time. We are so professional here.
0: Yeah, it's a tight-rope ship. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm sorry about the fact. Circumstances rather caught us off guard this time around.
1: Oh, yeah, no, my, my bad. But in the end, yeah, sorry, work was very busy today. But on that very boring note, I will press stop. Thanks, everyone. All
0: right.